0: Welcome to the World of Wisdom podcast, my name is Amit and um, today we have a conversation that has been wanting to happen for some time, um, a conversation that I'm really, really excited about. And I've had the privilege to hang out with these two people in different Zoom rooms for some time and, and we even got to meet in person uh, at a conference last fall. and. The work that Elizabeth and Thomas are doing is very intriguing to me because it's, it's one of those pieces of work that I would have completely discarded, let's say some, some seven years back and, and not have even looked at. And now we've, I've had these experiences that I have a very hard time explaining. I have these, um, these felt senses and these senses of collectivity or like a, a connection And I've seen things in these Zoom rooms that I didn't, you know, I cannot necessarily explain. And it seems like this is a little bit your life's work as well. So first of all, just welcome to the podcast, Elizabeth DeBolt and Thomas Steininger.
1: Thank you, Amit.
0: And I'll start like normal before we get into, because we're going to be circling around We Spaces, we're going to be circling around sort of emergent dialogue and I think it's probably useful even to give a light frame on, on what it is, um, and, and you're better equipped to do that than I am. But these are practices that I'm very curious about. Uh, but before we get into all of that, I'd just uh, would love for you to introduce yourselves um, in, with the simple question of, who are you?
1: <laughs> mm-hmm. That's... Who... Okay. Oh. It's a deep question. Who Who am I? <laughs> it's one of the fundamental spiritual questions. Who Who am I? Um, but I suppose that that in this context, the thing that would be uh, most appropriate is is my background. So I'm Elizabeth Diebold. Um, I'm a developmental psychologist by training, and uh, for the last whew, 25 close to 30 years, I've been exploring the potential of human beings to um, meet in a, at a different level of depth, and to, in some ways, work towards sharing a mind, a mind that is uh, um, more than the sum of its parts, a, a different, different capacity for co-creating together, consciously, co- co-consciously creating together. And I'm Thomas, Thomas Tainino. Um
2: I'm a philosopher, philosopher by training. And uh, together with my partner, Elizabeth, uh, I'm engaged in this, uh, what we call in different ways in different times, we talk about uh, we spaces. Uh, we talk about presencing, uh, we talk about emergent dialogues, but what we're investigating since quite some time, I think three decades by now, is a form of being together that allows us to let go of a sense of separate identity without losing our identity. And in that, to allow a different dynamics to open up in conversations. And that's an Ongoing investigations—that's uh, quite intriguing, and that is just also a lot of fun to do. So that's what we do.
1: So we also we also publish the German language quarterly magazine Evolve,
2: and we also do a podcast called Radio Evolve. Yeah.
1: <laughs>
2: so
0: we do several things.
2: Mm-hmm.
0: Thank you for that that uh, introduction. And yeah, so uh, if if we also if we go into the, these, the we spaces and these collective processes. Because I think at this moment, I'm hearing so many people talk about um, collective processes and collective intelligence and co-creation. And I love what you what you say, sort of uh, co-collective or, or, or co... What, what did you say? You said co-sensing, co-conscious. Co-conscious,
1: co-conscious. Yeah, exactly. creative, yeah.
0: Which is it's quite different from just co-creation, right? Um, and um, I, I would love to hear, like, how did you get into this work? And what is it in, in your frame? And then on the back of it, I'll see what I have picked up from, from hanging out with you in these Zoom rooms.
2: I mean, there are different ways to go into this. Uh, one way is, uh, which may be helpful, to go into an historical cultural perspective, which is some understanding of the culture that we live in, which is our modern, -modern, postmodern, hyper-individuated culture and how we got there, and see that a lot of uh, our cultural history, at least the last uh, two or 4,000 years, is a cultivation of individuation, which is a very powerful thing. The capacity to see I and not just be embedded in drive consciousness or traditional consciousness or group consciousness, but to have sense of selfness, which uh, also brings itself uh, responsibility with that, that is part of the dignity of our European culture, uh, may say so. But there's a shadow side to it, that individuation, self-sense in that sense, always is a process also of not me, not self, othering, where... We in our hyper individuated culture that we have right now um, are in a state that many people call narcissistic, where we're not able to see anything but or we're seeing everything in a in the form of self-reference. What does it mean to me? What does it mean to me? We can look at everything from the certain perspective of self. And what led us to this investigation is first a spiritual quest that there is a sense of non-separation that you find in spiritual practice. Also, when you look into cultural history, that where we come from as species is an embeddedness in nature, an embeddedness also between us as people, where we are not as separate as we are right now. And the question, is there maybe a next step where we have to go as a culture where we hold up our capacity for individuation, but also find a sense in the way we're together of embeddedness in presence, in collective presence, and other ways to practice this or experiment with this. So this is part of where we come from.
1: And I would also say that that this is a movement in in human consciousness that is in, in some ways at least throughout the West very strong at this point, or at, at the, the kind of progressive edges or of, of Western culture across the world seems to be very strong. That the, that the craving that for community, the sense of isolation and alienation and the desire to overcome that, the sense that we have to learn how to work together in a way that is more more creative, more powerful, somehow really be able to come together to address the mess that we're in and that that we have been we have created. Uh, so that has given rise to a lot of different we's and a lot of different attempts and and ways of of trying to to solve this uh, this classic spiritual problem of the one and the many. How do we uh, but in a different sense, how do we as as how do we find new ways to go beyond our, our self isolation and narcissism? How do we find how do we find a a, a different source for our, uh, our 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 thinking, our creating, that is not just just isolated in in the, the individual body mind. And I, you see this. You see co living. You see co creation everywhere. You see co working. Everybody wanting to co. <laughs> and uh, I think that that's that is a, I think a, a response in the, in human consciousness itself to to the crises that we're facing.
0: I like that frame. And I think what what really caught me with the work that you are doing is this there is the transcendence of this idea that i have to give up myself in order to it is that that aspect of keeping the individual also nearby or or, or close close at heart while i'm stepping in so that it's not around agreement uh, or it's not around it's not we're not in conflict or agreement we are we are somewhere in between we are there's an allowing for this resolution or this 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 flavor of me to be brought into these spaces, um, where it enriches the space. So the tension that I bring, the discomfort that I bring, the experience that I bring, what what I'm, my experience is also part of the collective experience, um, and that shifting of, challenging the the perception that everything that I'm experiencing is, is happening within my body, that it could also be happening between us. It has been very useful to me as a frame. Mm-hmm.
1: Yeah, I, I think that there that it's a it's a delicate, a, a delicate uh, distinction that 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 you're making, because whatever we focus on in in this in in the we is what the we becomes. So if I focus on myself, then then it's not that the we becomes myself, but then we fragment into kind of personal bubbles. If, if I'm really concerned about uh, my interpersonal relationships within the collective, then, then the collective becomes defined by interpersonal dynamics. We're trying to open up a different, a different ground that we call the intersubjective, which is the space between us, that there is actually a living space between us that holds all of this but we're we're placing a real focus on on this in order to to see those things that we feel and and perceive and so forth in a different light.
2: In fact, you touched on it uh, in a very interesting way when when you said it's not about agreement. Mm
0: -hmm.
2: And that's, I I find a, a very distinct and important observation because when we agree on something, We come from a strong self-sense of my world as I experience it and your world as you experience and then some kind of agreement how we deal with each other. What Elizabeth is describing is that, yes, that's true. I have my world, you have your world. But as we are in relationship, there's something showing up that is beyond that or before that uh, where we are together in something that you even could describe as a sense of a shared intelligence where it's not kind of, I'm negotiating what I want and what to do, but there's something, there's a potential arising between us because we meet in the richness also of our difference, all the worlds that we bring into this present situation. There's, there's a richness of who we are in our difference, but it's present as a wholeness. And to the degree that we have senses for this presence of wholeness, we can tap into a different form of intelligence that is the potential that we hold together. And that's a different starting point.
1: Mm. I would say it's also, it, 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 it's, it's that we start from relatedness, not from creating agreement in relationship, as you were saying.
0: And also just to, to point it out, but in this work, as far as I've experienced that there are no observers. If if you are in it, if you are there, you are in it. Mm-hmm. You cannot sort of. You, <laughs> there's a participatory quality to it, and so either it pulls you in, but either you're completely outside of it, or or you are in it in, in a way. But it's, you, the the, um, yeah, I think that's interesting. Also in our, I, I hear a lot of people speaking of of observing systems and like you know also mindfulness. Sometimes is like maybe misconstrued as as. You're putting yourself apart or, or outside. And yeah, the way that I've felt these practices are that I, I, even if I'm just, let's say, which is often my role to, to facilitate the technology, that's the role that I've taken upon myself. I I'm, I'm feel I'm very much part of creating the space. I, I have a, a possibility and, an, and, and a responsibility towards um, the field. And I'm, I'm feeling it. It's working on me as well, this, this collective thing. And it's very sublime, like very subtle, like very
2: interesting. Again, that's a very precise observation, because basically uh, if you uh, stay in the position of an observer, you miss the point because what is opening up is opening up only from the inside. So if you observe it, which is a position of objectivation, I observe something, so you put yourself separate from it and observe it you miss the very point that this is about it only opens up in participation which is sometimes difficult because uh, when you try to kind of what is this and you try to observe you make a movement where you don't uh, allow yourself to be part of it but in participation in going into the inside something is opening up where these qualities show themselves, but they don't show themselves from the outside. They don't show themselves to the observer, only to the participant. Hmm.
0: And, and the other thing that I think is very interesting is that there's a potential here for like a non-violent we, in a way. Like that there's, I don't have to, I have to surrender to something, but I don't have to give up. But that's,
1: a, that's a nice distinction. Did you want to say more? Uh, because because that I, you're it's kind of you're kind of aikidoing something there. <laughs> you know, you're, you're, uh, because one is fully oneself and actually people in encountering the work often feel that they come home to themselves in a deeper way and and, and feel fully like wow, I am I am I am home in a way that I've never felt before. And and yet one has to 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 come home, one has has surrendered. I think it's in some ways it's one separation from the process itself. And it's it's in that surrender that one is one is able to then come fully in and online, you could say, which is is somewhat paradoxical.
2: And it's also interesting that you name this as a non-violent form of engaging. Because uh, when you look, what what is the nature of violence? The nature of violence is that from a position of separation, uh, one is forcing something on the other. So you you take a position of first separation and then putting one on the other, uh, that is what what violence is about. But what we're looking for, and and part of what our work is about is also find words that describe uh, what we experience in in, in a way that language can hold it. And one of the words uh, that we find helpful is what we call synergetic intelligence. That in a setting where different parts are present, uh, you create an intuition of synergy, how these differences become together through synergetic capacities. So in that, no part is is basically looking to put their part on top of the other, but how to synergize. That is by its nature, if you're successful, a non-violent move. Because you look into the integration of everything in a way that holds the potential of all. And it it needs intuition, uh, sensitivity, and creativity to find that out, but that's exactly the work.
1: And actually, that's it's interesting because it's not a static peace, which is what people often think about as as peace. The opposite of violence is peace, and peace is some kind of static calm. <laughs> and and what Thomas was just describing is dynamic. It's dynamic and engaged and creative, and in that dynamism is. Is is something that's nonviolent, which is um, quite surprising,
0: I think. That's yes, beautiful because it, it, there is that um, the dynamic balance. I mean, which is also sort of a prerequisite for life. I mean, I've you know, as soon as we talk about static balance, I mean, that is quite sort of by definition, it's death. Like then, then there's nothing. There's nothing going on. There's no flow.
1: Because.
0: Mm. I mean, you've you've done this work for really long, and with a lot of people, and there seems to me that this would be. This is extremely potent to infuse into a co-creation processes, um, and to shift the the co from to, from the creation to the to the being, sort of co-being, and then we create. Um, I mean, if if we can, if we can, I don't know how you. How do you see the potential? I should just ask that question simply. Like, how, how do you see the potential of this in this current moment? What is the sort of the the, the the closest access to somebody that have not been in these practices to have experienced this? Like, is there a way for them to to start looking for it in their surroundings, if you will? Where where does it occur?
1: Where does it occur? Um, I think it 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 can occur anywhere. I don't know if you would, if that, if, if uh, however one needs to to know where the where like the the, the window door is, and that I, I mean just to say uh, we don't know where this will go. We have no idea. We've been involved with this for twenty five to thirty years now, right? and. Uh, when we started the 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 quality of coherence which is what you're talking about is co-being this kind of the sense of depth a deep coherence that that actually is is a ground for dynamism. dynamism that 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 sense of coherence could be held for like 2 seconds <laughs> before it was dropped the, the participants could recognize, or half could recognize that something happened, but the rest couldn't. It was, it, it's taken a long time for this to become even remotely stable, and now we see it really starting to fire up and spread. And that is tremendously exciting. And when you think about changes at the level of consciousness, which is what this is, there aren't barriers that are uh, tangible. The barriers are are only within ourselves, and so the the potential for this to spread. Um, I mean, I think we're the idea itself is is uh, is is viral. <laughs> As you know, we were just saying with the co creation, co working, the idea itself, but this this capacity, we're seeing more and more people coming into our work with already a sense of it. And where that will go, I don't know. I'm very optimistic, though.
2: And also, I Amit, mean, uh, your question is a dangerous question. Because uh, this work is our life's work, and there's always uh, a tendency to completely overemphasize uh, the importance of what you're doing because that's why why you're doing it in the first place. Mm -hmm. If if you wouldn't convince that this is really important, you would not do that. So the danger to really blow it up and just make it uh, the most important thing in the universe is is very high in this. And I I feel that tendency in myself. Uh, At the same time, at least the way I experience it also what you're describing, there's something happening in culture at large, there's something there's a, something is, wants to go somewhere. It's popping up in different forms and it's called form of collect, collective wisdom, uh, co-creation, v-space, uh, emergent dialogue, uh, circling, you name it. So there's something happening. And my interpretation of that is that the evolution of consciousness and culture is looking for a next step. And it's 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 finding and creating all kind of experimental places, laboratories, but it's testing itself. And what we are doing is one of these testing places. And it doesn't really matter how, and in which way, uh, this uh, shift will happen. But it seems very much that something is on its way. And what we do uh, is we try to be part of this, and, uh, and 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 we have our own angle to understand this, and we try to practice this learn from it and and find ways for this opening to again as a philosopher put it in a, in a historical cultural context um, the german philosopher karl jaspers uh, branded his name the axel ages uh, where something uh, very uh, powerful happened all around the globe from the kind of indigenous religions to the so-called high religions and then also the birth of philosophy which is very much connected to the individuation the process of the human species. There are people talking about, and I would agree, that maybe we are in something like a second axle age, where we go to a different place of new integration, new embeddement, without losing the process in between. And we're just testing out what is what. So in, what, in one hand, I think the potential is very high, but also it's underestimated that it really needs to push into something different. It, uh, some very often when we talk about uh, when we experience these spaces they're just variations of the old uh, and we are really looking something where we let go of the foundations of where we come from so that's the exciting part
1: actually to, to say a little a little more about what that foundation is if we touched on it a number of times it's this subject object split that, that I am a subject, you are, you are an object to me, although you are your own subject, but, but that witnessing, that objectification, that whole process, that is what needs to be undermined. Um, because that's what's given us othering, uh, you know, the division by race, gender, class. It's like you are not me. Um, and, and also the, the, the disjunction and destruction of nature.
0: I love that you brought that in because there's um, something that was bubbling in me as this idea that I mean, we are talking about co-living, co-working, co-creating, co, and and the co is in front of the <laughs> of the doing, so to say. And there's something profound where I feel that that you're shifting that co into, you know, we, we are we are co-individuating, we are, we are, uh, you know, we are, we are co-being, we are co, so there is something, and then we create, then we work, then we live. But there's, there's almost an, there's this emphasis, there's also the potential for the move into a little bit away from the phallic, from the, from the masculine, from the objectification, from, from this hyper-focus on the objects and, and shrinking back into the background or into the negative space, the feminine principle, the, the, the flow, the creation, the, that energy and then from there it's like the we we take care of the process and then the events occur if you will like it's it's that type of i don't know if i'm sensing that right but
2: no i i i agree there's something interesting that i think makes it more accessible uh the way you you're talking about it when we talk about our process of individuation uh We usually perceive it basically my individuation. That's part of where it's come from. But when you look at it in an objective way, we did that all together. Individuation itself is something that was a collective occurrence. It's something that our human consciousness created this capacity to individuate. And it's only our individual perspective that looks at it from this side. But from the other side, it's a shared movement. That we are together in it itself it, even our object subject relationship and our hyper-individuation is something that we are together in and that's an interesting perspective to see that because then this other side opens up that usually we are not so familiar with
0: mm-hmm.
2: even in the individuation mm-hmm. It's
0: actually where we started, right? Like we spoke before we started recording about uh, the Swedish culture that I that I the way that I experience it is that we are doing um, our own thing together, um, and, and it's roughly what you, you know in mm-hmm. a simplified way of saying what you were. Yeah, please
1: know it. <laughs> <laughs> I also wanted to speak to the masculine and feminine because I I see this. Uh, I see this process as actually integrating, as being integrative of, of the two, and, and both the two. If you if you define uh, the feminine as perhaps like agape, something that is a holding space, um, and and the masculine as more the the, the drive or the creative drive. This need, These things need to be brought together so that out of, the, out of the, the void, out of the openness, out of the holding space, comes the creativity. It doesn't come through me as a separate object. It comes through the whole. And I, as an individual, am, am, am moved to, uh, to bring my certain aspects of my experience in that are relevant. To the the conversation that's happening between us, so it it's it requires the it requires uh, a, a deep letting go that is considered to be feminine, as well as an incredible alertness and giving surrendering to a creative impulse, and allowing that to come through.
0: It's it's interesting because I I recently spoke to a Swedish. Woman called Fanny Norlin, who's been doing a lot of work around um, the masculine and the feminine, and she she's ha- she has this framework where she's speaking of the the sort of the executing masculine, and then the other side of the masculine is the holding masculine, and then on the other axis she's put the feminine, where you have both the, the holding feminine, which is represented then by the archetype or the matriarch, but but then also the life sorceress, the 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 dancing, the flow, the energy—this, this sort of fickle, sort of more of the surrendering type quality—that you are, I, I think you are referring to at this moment. And I think it's very interesting that you have the container, which is—I mean—you have all of those four parts, absolutely. At least to me, in in this in this um, practice, because you have the the, the container, you have the, the the speech when when you are spoken through, and you put put the object out there, the object of, of of speech out there. I mean, that's that's sort of on the masculine axis, and then you have the the feminine holding as well, which is an allowing and and a, and a surrender. And then you have the dance, like the the energy flowing and that sensing and that feeling and that maneuvering in that um, that negative space and and kind of constantly sensing and feeling into what wants to emerge. Like it's more like receiving than uh, creating. Like. You're allowing it to take shape rather than actually making it take shape. You know, that's intentional. So
2: A term that I find very helpful for that comes from the Eastern philosophy mm-hmm. from Taoism. It's Wu-Wai. I'm sure you know it. Uh, w- is this, this concept of Wu-Wai, that uh, is one of the basic concepts of Taoism, is exactly this point where action and non-action where uh, giving and receiving, uh, where holding and flowing are one. So where th- this uh, polarization between uh, I'm active, I'm passive, I, I'm giving or I'm receiving, are, are kind of melting away. And there is a, there is a dance, but this is in one. And this wu really holds something very precious for me because it, it, it does not fall back into passivity, but it also does not go into an egoic activity, but uh, it opens the perspective of something that is non-separate, whole, and alive and moving.
0: And it sounds like it's almost one of those things that could only be possible between us. It, it sounds like it's too much tension in that point to hold in one individual, so to say. It's fascinating. I mean, I th- think also, please.
1: Wu Wai is, is, a, is a sign of, of, of enlightenment, <laughs> of, of spiritual enlightenment. And I think holding it together makes it, makes it possible for us mere mortals to be able to uh, touch into this kind of space.
2: Because again, at least from our our point of view of our work, uh, the the touchstone is the recognition of this intersubjective field as something that's not separate from any of us, that I'm part of, uh, and that is me and you somehow at the same time, and that we can come together from at the same time. And a big part of what our work. Is about, or the anchor point of our world, is the opening of the awareness and the senses of the reality of this intersubjective field. Because as soon as somebody re- realizes from our perspective a senses, or there's something undivided beyond object, subject, beyond you and me, that we are all in and from, uh, then it's, it's, what we're talking about is not an idea anymore. It's a shared experience that we then together can uh, investigate with language. uh, Then language is something different. It's not engaging with ideas. It's wording of experience. And then uh, when this anchor point is reached, uh, uh, we can dive into this together and find out uh, how how does it look on your side? How How does it feel on your side? And then more and more and more of this reality opens up. It's basically all the work we do to try to, to create this anchor point and then investigate together what is this.
1: It's, it's interesting. So part of part of what you're saying, Thomas, is, is that we we always start with trying to to catalyze that experience for people because you can't start with this theoretically. You start with it theoretically, the mind goes, yeah, I can get that. I get it. But it's something that is actually outside the mind's domain. We can use the mind in languaging and, and and communicating, and it deepens and it allows us to um, to articulate and distinguish characteristics and ideas and things that need to be engaged with. But if if you start with an idea, you never you you almost never get. Never get beyond that into the subtlety that this is. And it's not, uh, and that can be frustrating for people because it's not, it's not a way that we're accustomed to learn. Because you know, we're saying, learn through the cells of your body. Learn through the through subtle sense of aliveness that, that, that if we slow down and perceive lives between us be very interested in that and let's and let's let's kind of let like you blow on a fire you know or on, a, on, a, on an ember in order to make the fire go let's let's really you know together lean in and, and, and coax this into into flame so that we can we can work with it and engage with it but if you're not used to working that way which none of us really are it, it can be, Confusing. It's like I don't have an idea that I can grab onto, or um, but but it's it's essential. Otherwise, we we stay in, and this is it goes back to a point that Thomas made earlier, that we stay in doing what we already know how to do. And if if the world would change or culture would change by doing the things that we already know how to do, it probably would have changed already. Part of the
2: uh... Ongoing challenges in doing this work is uh, because it, uh, it it happens in language mostly. Language is one of the main tools in this, and language in itself lends itself to ideas. So and ideas are good, but uh, there are two different ways to relate to language. One is that they relate to a living experience that's beyond language and before language. Language is just pointing to it. And the other is the, the, the realm of ideas itself. And as soon as someone kind of goes with what we are saying or what we are uh, dialoguing together and experiences as an idea, he or she is already in the, in the wrong universe. And even if he or she goes deeper into trying to understand what this is about, uh, one necessarily goes deeper into a non-understanding of what is about because one is looking in the wrong place, in the, in the realm of ideas, which in itself, I mean, I studied philosophy, I love ideas, nothing wrong about it, but it's not that. It's not an existential presence. So to use language beyond language, which is an embodied awareness that language can be helpful for to name things because then if, if leading experience can be held in an understanding of language wording, then that is an interplay between language and experience. But the real field is the experience. It's always experience first. So to hold this, because it's so easy, and, uh, you don't, and you, all of a sudden you you're talking about the same thing, but you're talking basically about ideas, not about the living experience that's unfolding between
1: us. I I want to add something to that. That that. What we're talking about now, to a great extent, is developing proficiency and developing the capacity to be able to engage with this intersubjective presence or, or from it. Ideas in, engaging in in even conflicts of, about about what direction should we go in? How do we do this? What do we? That's part of this too, but it, it comes on the foundation of Creating this coherence, what we were talking about, and this, and this dynamism, which depend on our awareness of the aliveness. Because then we come into situations of, of, of diversity of opinion, where we need to synthesize something, or things that are, that are discordant initially, um, that, that we do that from a different place. We do that from a place where we're already together. And then we're looking at, our, our, at the differences and, how, and and what those are about, and even with, with, with a, a great deal of intensity of feeling. But, but we are working to not fragment that coherence, which again, as you said at the beginning, does not mean just agreeing. It means working from the confidence that we are deeply always here together. And that goes with what you were saying before—that this, having this in place, and then creating—is—is—is is, is the name of the game. I'm
0: wondering because I'm one of the things that I'm curious about is because we we we, as you said, that it's about building a capacity for. This or like almost almost exercising a muscle for both both for, for dropping into it even I mean whether you see it or not doesn't it's not so but for, for being in it for for and I'm I'm curious I'm, I have two paths in my head I'm, I'm, like one one would be to to ask around what are the capabilities that we would want or like the 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 ground that we as individuals would want to stand on like what are the things that we sh- we would have liked to interacted with before we step into this practice. Like what would increase the likelihood that we are, that we can do that dropping in, if you will. And then the other thing was, and I'll let you choose which way we go, but the, um, is like, what is it not? Like when, when do we do that? When, when are we stuck on the idea plane or like, when are we not doing it um, that we're talking about? I don't know which is, yeah.
2: Interesting for your first question. Um, there are two things that come to my mind, uh, which, which are opposite. Uh, one, one thing I, I think we need for this, kind of counterintuitively, is a high individuation. To uh, to really be able uh, to stand one's own ground, and not ch- just fall into groupthink, group mind, which also can happen. Uh, where, Basically, you just go, wow, with the flow and it's beautiful, but basically you you lose yourself in that. And the other is a capacity uh, to, to be with the other and with the wholeness of presence. There's a sensitivity and openness that is able to contextualize my individualness as part of this and uh, can allow this to be part of a shared presence that we are in, and that it's moving, and that has a potential that's moving somewhere. And it needs both. It needs this capacity of uh, selfness, for another word for individuation, and this sensitivity for presence, where I'm not just basically only self-referencing and, and me and my feelings or me and my thoughts, whatever category I fall into, some people love me and my thoughts, some people love me and my feelings, but so is me. There's maybe a third element, that's the, the courage to stay not knowing. That's why meditation practice is a powerful support for this, because meditation practice, as we understand it, is capacity to be in openness, silence, openness, uh, where I don't identify with my usually identities but just open and when i really do this it can become quite scary because everything i'm standing on uh, is asked to fall away Uh, do i have the courage in a conversation to not know and just be curious what is emerging not just bring it back to what i think now should happen but just really listening what what wants to emerge between us be there for it, it needs a lot of trust and courage.
1: And, and a little more on the individuation that's needed, because we're talking about being able to direct one's intention, which is a very deep thing. To be able to be individuated enough to be able to hold one's intention with courage, as, as you're saying, through unknowing, and not withdraw. You know, to be able to to direct one's awareness away from my mind, my discomfort, or my emotional, whatever my story that comes in, to to be able to say, okay, that's 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 here. I'm that's part of me. To be able to recognize, oh, this is the this is the habitual loop that I hear when I'm scared or when I'm uncomfortable or insecure. I can let that just be at, on the side to be that's, to be self-aware that way, which is highly individuated, and includes shadow work because you you come to understand, you know what these loops are in, in one's own mind, what the what the feeling of of withdrawal or aggressive uh, assumption is, and how that works in you to be able to 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 be able to have the space and take the space to okay I, I can i can let that go it's it's chattering over here but i'm focusing over here in in the center of this conversation in this dialogue and that is that is why we say it, it often takes more individuation rather than less to engage in something like an emergent dialogue
0: it's, it sounds like there's also i mean what it's been to me i'll just frame do it from there but it's it's been a, a re I, i'm not sure i don't have a religious upbringing or background i don't have a, a sense for what what it would be to be religious so to say we've been very sort of secularized and detached from that and then now i'm, I'm listening to some some like orthodox christian and i'm listening to some some sort of more mythical interpretations of, of the christian sort of because i still sort of have a felt sense for that mythology and what I hear a lot of of the people that believe describing is is something what I'm experiencing in this practice as well. It's almost like I'm rediscovering my muscle for faith. Like, it's mm-hmm. mm-hmm. very touching.
1: Mm-hmm. I mean, that's very very touching. Many say, and and uh, I think we would we would agree that that this, the opening of this field is opens a sacredness between us. And that sacredness is somehow inherently meaningful. It's not meaningful because of an idea. It's meaningful because it is.
2: And what you're describing, I, I can also relate to, it because when we were talking about the courage she needs, uh, you, you also could say the faith that it needs. And when you ask the faith in what, it's the trust in that that is emerging between us, which I don't have to control. That's the point of faith.
0: Mm-hmm.
2: Because I trust there's something in what is emerging between us. that's fundamentally positive, And I don't even have to define it. I don't have to put any metaphysics on it. Just have to relate to it as being trustworthy, which is uh, in language an expression of faith. Faith in this conversation that we're having right now, but in the end, faith in life itself. And sacred, at least to my understanding, to also put it in a, in a secular context, uh, doesn't mean anything but in the deepest possible way meaningful to me so that it really touches me in my heart. It, that's sacred. If it's in the deepest possible way, meaningful, and for me the word sacred is appropriate. Uh, whatever metaphysics you have with this, that's fine. Uh, you can, okay, Buddhist, Catholic, Orthodox, uh, secular, that, that's all good. But the point is that, it's, uh, that we experience something deeply existentially meaningful. And that this is important because in that, uh, There is also a coming together. It is, that's also in our conversation with John Verweke and his engagement with uh, uh, answers for the meaning crisis. In this way, this way of coming together in this kind of conversation is in the small and also in the big cultural way an, an answer to the meaning crisis, because there's the potential of experiencing faith in what we're doing together and what we're in together.
1: And even right here, right now, part of the faith is is a faith in your sincerity, I mean, your humanness, that is expressed in in a sincerity, and that that experience of each other as sincere, mm-hmm. which is sort of not at all postmodern. You know? <laughs> that that if you're sincere in postmodernity, you're a, you're you're gullible or foolish but but it's it's a deep sincerity that one one experiences in other human beings that gives us faith in each other hmm. and that faith in each other is is uh is deeply important for the times that we're in yeah and
0: and, and there's there is that um it's, it's like we've been, because we've been circling it around with, with a couple of different things, but the center of it is faith. And then it's, it's almost like a, a reverse order of, of language. There are the objects and then there's faith. It's just that un, unconditional. It's like it's more like agopic faith. It's, it's unconditional in a way. Um, I don't know if you can use agopic that way, but, but I did. Nice, <laughs> I like
1: it.
0: Um. I'm seeing a, a number of new threads kind of coming up. And, and I'm also thinking maybe this, is, maybe this, this was a hole as well in, in itself. This was, it felt like it, it had a, a landing into it. Uh, is there something else that wants to be said that you would like to bring in? I think it's
1: good.
0: If, if people want to find you and work with you, um, where, where should they be looking or dig deeper into these practices?
1: Uh, look at uh, our, web, our websites, uh, I guess. And uh, we have, we're in process with a new one. We're, we're integrating our work because uh, we work both in German and in English. And we're integrating. They've been separate and we're integrating that now into a website that will be called Evolve World dot org. but right now you can find things
0: uh on oneworldandialogue.com I'll, I'll link it in the episode yeah in the episode notes as well i really appreciate you taking the time to to do this with me and um f- for me it, it was it's it's a very fruitful exploration both the practice that i'm engaged with and and also just this conversation with you because it's it just became more. I don't know how, how to say that in another way, but, but it's uh, wonderful. So, so thank you for taking the time.
1: Thank you so much. Anne. Thank you.